The following message, entitled, Concerning Spiritual Gifts, was given by Mark Prater on the 15th of January, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, good morning. It is really, really good to be with you, Mark. Thanks for your kind words. If you'd open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. Now, as the announcement about the beard competition was being made, I regretted that I shaved this morning. I thought I could maybe get in. Uh, then the, the other second thought is I'm, I'm glad I'm not going to be around here the next couple of months. I don't know what it's going to look like exactly. Uh, one other thing regarding the, the men's breakfast, I always wondered if I would uh, preach better with the smell of bacon in a church. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's, it's really been uh, good to be with you, some of you last night, and to be with you this morning. Um, uh, if, if I didn't preach God's word and just came here to do what I'm about to do, I would drive home a very satisfied man. Uh, because I, I really want to encourage you as a church. Um, there, there are churches, as you, as you visit different churches, you find that they each are different. And they, own, they each have their own personality, so to speak. And there are a number of things that mark you as a church that I think uh, identify you as a, as a local church family. But this is the one that has always affected me. And that is your heart for the lost. For those who don't know Jesus Christ. That has been a, a part of my interactions with you over many years. Um, your desire to, to reach out to the people around you in your community and your workplace. Um, and, and to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that, that affects me personally. It strengthens us as a family of churches. I've been here over the weekend, I've been for the first time in your new building, love your new building by the way, and what most people say is well we've got new people coming to the church because of the building, I think they're, they're kind of checking us out and some of those new people are actually now new Christians because you've reached out to them and you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, so um, thank you for your wonderful example in that area in particular because it's not a strength in our family of churches overall, but it's a strength here. And we thank God for you as a family of churches. And we look to you for your example. And I pray that this message that Mark asked me to bring from 1 Corinthians 12 will only stir your faith that God is going to give you power to reach out with the help of the Holy Spirit and that more will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's because the, the Bible is filled with stories of people who encounter God and they encounter His truth. They encounter sound doctrine through the Word of God. And yet at the same time, stories tell us that they encounter and experience the presence of God at the same time. That's really what we, we find in the Old Testament and the New. In Genesis 15, we see that God speaks to Abraham and he gives him his covenant with Abraham. It's filled with wonderful promises. It's filled with wonderful truth. And yet at the same time, Abraham experiences the presence of God so much so that in faith, he leaves his homeland going, not knowing where he would go, but God is leading him. We see stories like this in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 16, we find Paul, a man that you know is a man who, who knows theology, he knows truth, he knows sound doctrine, he wrote much of the New Testament, and yet at the same time, he experienced the presence of God and the work of the Spirit in his life. And so in Acts chapter 16, we find that the Spirit keeps him from going to Bithynia. And instead, through a dream he has that evening, a man calls him to go to Macedonia instead. And because of that, the church in Philippi is planted. 
It's a picture of a man who encounters the truth of God, the, the sound doctrine of God, and at the same time experiences the regular presence of God through the activity of the Holy Spirit. And that, that picture that we see throughout all of Scripture We want to define us as a family of churches. We want to be a family of churches that's committed to sound doctrine. We want to preach the Bible rightly. And yet at the same time, we want to experience the presence of God in our lives. In fact, we believe those two things, sound doctrine and the experience of God through His Spirit, we believe they they go together. One of the phrases that you'll here used is impassioned orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is the truth that we believe, but what impassions our orthodoxy is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we're going to take a look this morning at the power and the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And in particular, from 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to, we're going to venture into the spiritual gifts and see how God uses them for the common good, but how through them we manifest the presence and the the power of God. The title of my message this morning is Concerning Spiritual Gifts. Before we read God's Word, let's pray and ask for His help. Lord, we come to You this morning after singing those songs, after thank You, thanking You for what what Jesus has done for us through his shed blood. That we can draw near to you this morning, our Father. We can draw near to your throne of grace as your sons and as your daughters. And we can ask that you would again fill us with your spirit. And so we pray for that. We pray. We ask. I ask that you would fill each one here with the spirit of God. As I was praying for our time this morning, I just believe that you gave me a couple of groups of people in particular that you want to speak to this morning. Those who have recently would say, I just haven't been experiencing God's presence in a personal way. So fill them with your spirit. Fill the people among us that are maybe in that place and allow them to be aware of your presence, not only today, but in the days and weeks to come. Second group of people I believe you want me to pray for are those who, who haven't been using their spiritual gifts and, and I know you want to use them. So I pray that you would instruct them not only from God's word, but that you would fill them and give them power so that you can use them for the ways that you've created, use them in wonderful ministry that you've given them. Would you Do that work in those specific people today, I pray, as the word is preached. And for all of us, as as the spirit works among us, as it brings the text alive, as our hearts are stirred, our prayer is that we would drive home amazed that we encountered you in numerous ways as we spent time together. And in that way, would you be glorified? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1 Corinthians 12, let's beginning, begin reading in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are 
empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians to address a, a number of issues there. There were divisions in the church at Corinth. There was sexual immorality. We know from these verses here in the start of this chapter that there was this issue of pagan idol worship as well, just to name a few of the things that he was writing them about. But when we reach chapter 12, we know that he's also writing to them to address them, to speak to them about the spiritual gifts. That's why he says, now concerning the spiritual gifts in verse 1. And this is relevant for us as a family of churches. It's relevant for you, Sovereign Grace Church, because you believe as a church, we believe as a family of churches that the spiritual gifts have not ceased. We wouldn't describe ourselves theologically as cessationists. Rather, we believe that the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us continue and will continue to be used until Christ returns. The theological term we would use would be we are continuationists, meaning that we will continue to use them until until the second return of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is about to say to us this morning is very important. And, And it's important that we address any sort of discussion or message on the spiritual gifts and not make sure that we, we look at it too narrowly, but step back for a minute and lay it into the broad work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, that's what Paul does in writing this section of the letter to the Corinthians. Did you note how in verses 1 through 3, they, they serve as an introduction to this topic on the spiritual gift where Paul talks about the broad work of the Spirit. So look at verses 1 through 3 again. Now concerning spiritual gift, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says this. Jesus is accursed. And no one, no one can say, Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So so what Paul is saying there is that anyone who is indwelt with the Spirit of God, who is truly a Christian, who have turned from their sins and placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that person can cannot curse Jesus. In fact, the only people that can proclaim rightly that Jesus is Lord are those that have been indwelt with the Spirit of God. See, what what Paul is referencing there is the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. He's, He's introducing this topic on the gifts by causing us to step back and say, wait, before we do that, let's remind ourselves of the broad work of the Spirit. So let us do that as well. Let's remind ourselves of just a couple of ways that the Spirit works broadly in our lives. The first one is regeneration. We see that there in verses 1 through 3. See, when we use our gifts and when we experience God in the wonderful ways that we will, we can't forget that the greatest miracle you and I will ever know is that of regeneration. That of a soul that is dead in its trespasses and sins is made alive in Christ through the work of the Spirit of God. And we know that the Spirit, it's the work of the Spirit because Jesus taught us that in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 say, this is Christ talking, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In other words, until God acts upon us, those of us dead in our trespasses and sins, until God acts upon us through the work of the Spirit, where we are born of the Spirit, there's a regenerating work of the Spirit, none of us will respond rightly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Spirit convicts us of our sin and makes us aware of our need for Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle we will ever know, brothers and sisters. That of regeneration. Another broad work of the Spirit is that of sanctification. So once we are regenerated, once we are indwelt with the Spirit of God over 
over the, the rest of our lives, we will grow. And we will become more and more like Jesus Christ. And for us to do that, we need the help of the Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, earlier in this letter, Paul references that work in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Paul writes, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So in that, in that verse, he's talking about the fact that we've been washed, that our blood, that our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ, that when we are regenerated, we are instantaneously justified and made, made in right standing before God. But then there's this ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives where He sanctifies us and He makes us more and more like Jesus Christ. And so works of the Spirit in our lives are things like He continues to convict us of remaining sin. John chapter 16, verse 8, references that work of the Spirit. He gives us power to grow and become more godly, more like Christ, in a way that we bear the fruit of the Spirit that Galatians chapter 5 holds out for us. So we, we see regeneration, we see sanctification. Here's a third one that we actually see here in the text that really is a, a broad work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God empowers us for, for service and for witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is just one text in our Bibles that shows us that another work of the Spirit is, is one where He empowers us. Look at verses 4 through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You and I, we live daily with this need for God's power. Daily, we need to be people as believers who are filled with the Spirit of God so we can be given power from God so that we can serve Him and serve others and so that we can be a powerful witness as the gospel advances. So the the broad work of the Spirit includes regeneration and sanctification. It includes empowering so that we can be used by God in wonderful ministry. And God then shows us, then Paul begins to narrow the discussion by taking a look at the spiritual gifts. We, we each, to each one, is given a manifestation of the Spirit. Everyone that's a believer sitting in this room, you have been given gifts by God. God manifests His Spirit among us as Chapter 7 says, he, one of the ways that we know that He's near, one of the ways that we experience His presence, one of the ways that He manifests His presence among us is that He gives us gifts, and when we use them in power, we're aware that God is here, that God is among us, and that God is caring for us. I love this quote by Sam Storms, who just takes really verse 7 and makes it very clear. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit Himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. Now, I just love this sentence. Gifts are God going public among His people. Gifts are God going public among His people. We experienced that this morning. When that prophetic word was shared from the mic when it when it spoke to specific individuals and then joe came up and prayed for them we were experiencing the presence of god in a very personal way see the point is this god loves to fill ordinary people like you and like me with his spirit and give us power so that we can do extraordinary things for him in a way that we are aware that god is here and that we can experience his presence. So, so sort of with that as an introduction, the broad work of the Spirit, let's just take a look at the gifts. We're just going to look at a few of them. But before we do that, let's make sure we're, we're on the same page in terms of what we think gifts are. What, what is a spiritual gift? Let's, let's ask the question that way. What, what is a spiritual gift? Boyd Hunt says this, spiritual gifts are God empowering his people. So we saw the empowering there in verse Verse 6 and 7, didn't we? 
Spiritual gifts are God empowering his people through the Holy Spirit for kingdom life and service, enabling them in attitude and action to live and minister in a manner which glorifies Christ. So, some gifts look more natural. In fact, if you read this entire chapter, you find that in verse 28, there's a reference to gifts of helping and gifts of administration. Those might look like natural abilities, but they are gifts given by God. This church functions well because you have people among you who who help and who serve and who know how to administrate. Other gifts that are listed in Scripture seem more supernatural in nature. So in verse 9, we saw the gift of healing. In verse 10, we see the gift of prophecy, which is seemingly more public and seemingly more super supernatural. And if you take that then and you study the word gift in the New Testament, the New Testament would describe, in the way the word is used, a broad and diverse group of abilities and talents and gifting that God gives us to minister to others in a way that points attention to Jesus Christ and gives him glory. So gifts are that. They're just this broad list of talents and abilities and gifts that that God has given you. But why does God give them to you? Why does he give each one of us these particular gifts? What are the the, the purpose of the gifts? Well, verse 7 was very clear about that. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what reason? For the common good. For, For those that are around us. The gifts are given to strengthen the church and to care for the church. The gifts are given to reach out to unbelievers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go beyond the the gifts listed here in 1 Corinthians 12 and you look at Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4, you're going to find that they're, they're all for the common good. In other words, we're not given gifts to draw attention to ourselves. We're given gifts so that we can be used by God to draw great attention to God in a way that people around us experience His presence. Now, note how the gifts uh, strengthen the work of the gospel in our lives. Let, let me just illustrate what I mean that, that gifts are given for the common good, that they're given not for ourselves but for others. Let me just illustrate that for you, just simply in the way that this letter's written. See, I think that the gifts are given to support the work of the gospel in our lives. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 2, Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He he begins this letter by talking about the gospel. Then we get to the end of the letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he ends with this. He says, I want to speak to you that of which is of first importance. You know that verse? And what's of first importance? That Christ died for sinners. So he writes this letter in a way that he begins with the gospel, and he, and he bookends ends it with ending in the gospel, and even just the way that the letter is structured tells us that the gifts are given to support the work and the advance of the gospel in our lives. Gifts are given to draw great attention to God and to His work in our world today. So, with, with that, knowing what gifts are and knowing the purpose of the gifts, let us now look at a few of the gifts. We're not going to be able to look at, at all of them that are listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, so I just pulled out a few. Let, let's, um, let's begin with the, the gift of healing. In verse 9, healing is listed as a gift. In other words, as continuationists, we believe God heals today. That he can physically heal those who have disease or that who are sick. And the people who have the gift of healing, they don't heal. Only God heals, but God seems to use people who have the gift of healing so that when they pray for people, when they pray for others at times, not every time, but at times, they are healed. Some powerfully, some miraculously. One of the ways that we try to just practice the gifts that our church at Covenant Fellowship is that 
uh, after the meeting, every second Sunday of the month, we invite people up to be prayed for for healing. And we've been doing that for a number of years, and from that time have come a number of stories where people have been healed. Let me just tell you one. There's a, a lady in our church, I was up a particular Sunday morning praying for uh, people being healed. A lady came up with her husband, um, and she, she began to explain that she had had this blood disease for uh, somewhere in the 10 to 12 year range. Her blood chemistry was always off. The doctors could never get it right. She was on different kinds of medication for a number of years. And she said, I've been prayed for before, Mark, but I'm coming today with my husband just in faith that maybe today God would heal me. And I have a doctor's appointment this week, and so it's very timely for me. And so we just, her and her husband, and I, her husband and I simply prayed for her. It was two weeks later, I, I bumped into her, and she was so excited because she, she left that meeting and went to the doctor, I think, the, that Tuesday. And the doctor drew blood, and her blood chemistry was normal. They, they took her off all medication, and they drew blood again, and her blood chemistry remained normal. And he couldn't give any explanation to her why suddenly her blood chemistry was in normal ranges, which only gave her an opportunity to tell him why she thought her blood chemistry was in normal ranges. Had a, ch- a chance to share the gospel with this particular doctor. And she told this story through tears. Because through that healing, she experienced the love of God and the, and the care of God in a very personal way. See, that, that is God's presence manifesting among us, isn't it? Man can't take responsibility for that. Doctors can't take responsibility for that. Only God healed her. Another gift we want to look at is the gift of prophecy. It's one that you have enjoyed here at Sovereign Grace Church for so long. It's, it's really marked your church history. Here's how we would define prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Say it that way, not, not the, the prophecy contained in Scripture. But this is how we would define the gift of prophecy. Just a simple sentence. Prophecy is the report of a revelation. Prophecy is the report of revelation. Now, revelation, got to be careful with the term, we don't mean that Anything is going to be added to the canon of Scripture kind of revelation. The canon is closed. That won't happen. But we use the word revelation because it's the one that Paul uses in talking about prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 26. He says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. So we see the word revelation used there. Then look at verse 30. If a revelation is made to weigh what is, excuse me, if a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. And then verse 31, for you can all prophesy one by one. So he's connecting this, this revelation that's being reported to prophecy. And so those that have the gift of prophecy are simply reporting what they believe the Spirit of God has brought to mind. That's all that it is. It may be spontaneous in nature, and it may be something they prayed about for several days, and they bring on a Sunday morning, and they share with the church. The word revelation is is important because it signifies divine activity. When Grudem says it this way, the revelation which comes is thought by Paul to be of divine, not human origin. This is evident first from the fact that the word Paul uses for revelation that we saw here in 1 Corinthians 14, it occurs 44 other times in the New Testament and it never refers to human activity or communication. Rather, the New Testament, when it speaks of a revelation, it is always given by the activity of God. So again, the the person with the gift of prophecy, the one that we heard this morning, he's reporting what he believes the Spirit of God brings to mind. Just knowing that alone should stir anticipation that God still speaks to us today. Now, he still primarily speaks to us through his word. Don't get me wrong. I'm not elevating prophecy over the word of God in any way. He primarily speaks to us through his word, but he will speak to us in personal ways through the gift of prophecy. And even though it's imperfect and even though it has no authority, it serves a wonderful purpose in our lives, which is what? What is the purpose of the gift of prophecy? Well, we find that in 1 
Corinthians 14. And we find the purpose is edification. So look at 1 Corinthians 14, first five verses. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Hear that exhortation. Especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a speaks uh, in a tongue, speaks not to man but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Here's the purpose for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that what? So that the church may be built up. So the purpose of prophecy, the purpose of a prophetic word share this morning is for your edification as the saints of this church. It's for your upbuilding. It's for your consolation, for your comforting, and for your strengthening. It's why for so many years you've had a prophecy, Mike, here as a part of your Sunday meetings. See, Mark and Steve and Joe and Bob, they want to they provide a way for you to be edified by God by, through the use of the gift of prophecy. One of the things that, that always affects me as I read this section of this letter, and 1 Corinthians 14 in particular, is that I really think it captures the heart of God for you. If you read through 1 Corinthians 14 slowly, you'll find four times in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians 14, there's language like the church being built up. There's language like the church being strengthened. You see that in verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 12, and in verse 26. See, this is not just a theology about the gifts. It captures God's heart for you as individual believers. It captures God's heart for you as a local church that He desires to manifest His presence among you. To love you. To build you up. To edify you. I think that's important because I think most of us as believers, we can, we can have this tendency to have hard thoughts about God. It's actually a, a phrase John Owen sort of coined that we can all be vulnerable to have hard thoughts about God. We can arrive here on a Sunday morning and we can be discouraged. We can be depressed. We just had a, a very difficult week and, and you're just simply coming here because you know you're supposed to. Some of us arrive on Sunday morning with maybe guilt or shame from the week, ways that we've sinned. And you can think wrongly in those moments. You can think that, that God is somehow disappointed in you. That he, he doesn't really want to manifest His presence to you. Rather, He just kind of wants to step back away from you. See, when you arrive here on Sunday mornings in that way, the gifts are used to manifest His presence among you. One of those gifts, the gift of prophecy that speaks truth into your life and that speaks into your situation. And you know that God knows your situation. And you experience His presence in very personal ways. You encounter the love of God. About a year and a half ago, we were teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians back at Covenant Fellowship. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, you're familiar with the verse that says, don't despise prophecies. That particular Sunday, we had arranged for anyone after the service to stay after, anyone who had never been prayed for with regard to prophetic ministry before, who had never had prophetic words spoken to them. And I want to read you a story from a young woman who came forth that morning, had never had an experience like this before. She said, after the service, I waited patiently for someone to pray for me. 
When it was my turn, the woman and I only exchanged names. So note that they didn't know one another. She touched my arm and began to pray. Her first words brought tears to my eyes. She said, I sense that you're in anticipation of something and that you're feeling anxiety related to whatever it is you're anticipating. She mentioned that the worship music on that morning touched me. However, as much as I wanted to, I was unsure how to cast my worries aside and trust God completely with the situation I was facing. She prayed that I would lift my gaze to God and trust Him entirely. She prayed that I would shed my anxiety like clothing and have faith that God would see me through this situation. I wept after she prayed for me because she could not have known what was, could not have known that on the following day I was about to start a brand new job in a brand new field after only days earlier leaving a job and field that I had loved. I had been feeling an enormous amount of anxiety about leaving this field that I loved and the transition into a new one. I couldn't sleep at night. I was so worried. I failed to pray to God for help until the evening before that service. God spoke to me through prophecy that morning. He let me know that I was not alone. That He had heard my prayer from the night before and that He was with me. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that the personal, loving care of our Father for this dear sister? That's, that's what the gifts are about. God manifesting His presence to edify you, to strengthen you, to, to care for you individually as well as a local church. Now, I want to be clear. All all gifts have certain limitations. I want to point out to you the limitations that, that prophecy has. There's a couple of them in particular. The gift of prophecy that we have as believers, it's affected by our finite and fallen humanness. We're finite and we're sinners. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. See, the the prophecies that are found in Scripture, those are infallible. But the ones that we will share with one another, the ones that will come for those who who have the gift of prophecy, they're not adding to the canon of Scripture. They're given by finite people. They're given by fallen people. Mistakes can be made. No one intends to make those mistakes, but they can happen at times, and that has practical implications for you. That if you hear a prophetic word that you think is for you on a Sunday morning, or if you're in a care group, or if you're having someone individually pray for you and they, they share a prophetic word, you've gotta, you've gotta handle that carefully. You need to take any pr- prophetic word you receive and submit it to scripture. You need to submit it to God in prayer and submit to others who know you so they can give you wise counsel. In other words, we don't want people making decisions about their lives based on prophetic words. We don't want them changing direction with their lives at all. We, we just want prophetic words to encourage and edify them. Or maybe in some sense are confirmatory uh, for them in some way as well. Here's the point. Evaluation of prophetic words is critical for you as you receive a prophetic word. A, a second limitation is that the gift of prophecy has no authority in your life. There's only one authority in your life, and that is the word of God. We all live under the authority of God's word. So when prophetic words are shared, they're, they're, they're never shared in an authoritative sense. Prophetic words, they must be submitted to the authority of God's word. And so when you're evaluating a prophetic word, make sure that you understand that they are in line with God's word. When your elders, your pastors are here at the mic on Sunday morning and they're considering a word, that's one of the things they're thinking about. Is it, does it contain sound doctrine in its content? And because of those two weaknesses, the gift of prophecy we find in 1 Corinthians 14, it, it must be governed. So in, in, in this section in Scripture, 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul is talking about the use of the spiritual gifts. And in 14, he's in particular talking about their use in a public setting. And he says in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Now, the others there weighing what is said are the elders of the church who are responsible for that public meeting. They need to weigh what is said so that everything is done decently and in order so that what is shared truly does edify the church. And by the way, if, if you think somehow that governing prophetic ministry somehow squelches the spirit or limits the gift, uh, our experience over time has been it's just the opposite occurs. That the governing, hopefully under humble right leadership by pastors and elders, actually unburdens the person with the gift of prophecy and allows them to function more fully in their gifting. Those folks will tell us, you keep leading because it helps us to be more effective in using that gift. All right, let's look at one more gift really quick, the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues is found here in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10 to another various kinds of tongues. Tongues is a, is a gift that at times when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. Now, I want to be clear, not everyone will speak in tongues. It's just a gift. And not everyone will speak in tongues. And what it simply means is an ability for you to speak in a language you've never spoken before. That's all it means. For you to speak in a language you've never spoken before. You, you see that on the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2, for example. Now, I, I think tongues is, is, the, is the one gift that seems to stir the most questions, right? It, it, it seems to because it, it's, it's a strange gift in some ways, isn't it? If you hear someone speak in a tongue, it, it, the first time I did it weirded me out, quite honestly. It, it frightened me. And that's because it is, it's just a, it's a, it's a different gift. Uh, my own experience with the gift of tongues, which I do speak in, is simply this. When I, when I first heard someone speak in tongues, it did weird me out. It, it scared me a little bit. And I just thought, okay, I'm coming to a place doctrinally where I believe in these gifts, but that one is not for me. I will never speak in tongues. I remember having that thought and saying that actually. I'll never speak in tongues. So we're in this meeting about a year later and someone was speaking on the gifts of the Spirit and afterwards we just had time where people were praying for one another and to my shock and to my surprise, I began to speak in tongues. It, it, it had this effect upon me. Two, two things that affected me. One is that it humbled me because I was just aware of the presence of God in a way that I hadn't been before. I felt like I was standing on holy ground. I was just humbled and the second thing that i noticed about this this language that i was speaking is that i could control it i could stop if i wanted to but i didn't want to stop because it was it was edifying in nature in fact that's what you see in first corinthians chapter 14 that tongues is a a self-edifying thing you find that in verse 4 the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself there's a self-edification component to tongues. So you might be saying, okay, how does that square with 1 Corinthians 12, 7 that says that gifts are given for the common good? So if it's for self-edification, how's that for the common good? Well, here's how it works in my life. And maybe for those of you that do speak in tongues or may speak in tongues someday, maybe it'll work in your life this way. There are times when I do, I, I just go to pray and I don't know what to pray. And so I just begin to pray in tongues. And sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes when that happens, there will be people that God brings to mind that I, I just wasn't thinking about at all. And I'll continue to pray for them. And some of those times, I will follow up with those people. I might send them a note in the mail, or I might send them an email and just say, the Lord just you know, spontaneously led me to pray for you this morning. And, and there are times when they get back to me and said, what time did you pray for me? Ah. Uh, I think it was about 10 o'clock, you know, whatever time it was. And they, they want to know the time because in one particular story, they want to know what time I was praying for them because at that time, they were walking into a job interview for a job that they wanted to have. And they, in hearing that, knew that God was with them later on. After the interview, obviously, but they knew that God was directing their life and, 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 and with them. In that sense, it was edifying. It was for the common good. So that, that's one way that I think tongues can be used 
in that way. So that, that's where the, the, the gift of tongues, just note in a public setting, you see that in 1 Corinthians 14, you practice that here, that we don't have tongues shared publicly unless someone has the gift of interpretation and can share or can interpret what that tongue means. For you to be edified by that tongue, it needs to be intelligible to you, right? You need to understand what's being said. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, that the gift of prophecy is greater than the gift of tongues because it's intelligible. You understand what it's what it says unless it's interpreted. That's how the, the verse ends, so that the church may be built up. And so that's how we practice it in our churches in sovereign grace. Okay, let, let me end with this. We, we've talked about tongues, excuse me, the gifts. Uh, each of you have a gift. Let's conclude with the exhortation found in 1 Corinthians 14. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. How do you take a message like this and apply it to your life? How do you earnestly desire that? How do you go about that practically? Let me just give you a couple things real quick. Earnestly desire the gifts by pursuing God. Remember, it is God who is the giver of the gifts. So pursue God first. Spend time with him. Be with him. Know him more deeply. Love him more passionately. Secondly, pursue love. It it starts that way in 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love. Because if gifts are given for the common good, if they're given for the purpose of serving others or reaching out to others, love people more. So that the gift comes across in the love of God to them and truly edifies them. Here's another thing, pursue just fillings of the Spirit. That that simply means ask God regularly to fill you with His Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. And pray that often. And then just step out in faith and begin to use your gifts. Do that in your care group. Do that when you're in prayer meetings together. Do that when you're just hanging out together after a Steelers game. Do that when you gather together on a Sunday morning. It's okay to make mistakes, by the way. If you're not making mistakes, you're probably not pursuing the gifts. It's okay to make those. Those are okay. But pursue them. Don't don't allow the fear of making a mistake to affect your faith and just step out in faith and begin to use your gifts. I want to close with a story that I arrived here, didn't think I was going to share. We were singing here, um, singing so many wonderful songs with you, and I feel like the Lord brought this story to mind, and it's the one he wanted me to end on. I hope it encourages you in a number of ways. We've we've talked about the gifts being used really to, to serve people. It's kind of focused a bit on unbelievers. This story is how gifts are used to serve an unbeliever. And because of your strength as a local church and reaching out to the lost and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, I hope in particular it encourages you. It's a story that um, the context is our bridge course that meets on Wednesday night. It's like your Christianity Explored, where unbelievers come for some reason to our church on Wednesday night and we have dinner with them and we teach them and we talk to them about the gospel. Then we break down into small groups and we just do a sort of a, a Q&A. This is a story about a man named Bill and his wife Vivian. They are probably in their mid-70s, mid-late 70s. They, aren't, they weren't Christians when they started this bridge course. It was the, the very last week. It was the very last course. And one of the, the, the ladies that is serving in that group and, and sort of leading that group with her husband just has the gift of prophecy. And so she shared with Bill this prophetic impression that she had of him. Saw this picture of an old 1950s pickup truck that he was fixing and that parts were lying all over the garage floor. He was just covered in grease. And she felt like it was a picture of his life, that his life had been fragmented for so many years and that he was feeling this fragmentation and that God was speaking to him tonight and knowing, wanted him to know that he wanted to free him 
of the sins that were causing that fragmentation in his life, and he wanted to, to make him whole. This 70-year-old, some-year man just began to weep. He first said, I, I don't know why I'm crying. I only cry when I'm sad. But I'm not sad. He was trying to make sense of the presence and the power of God that he was experiencing in that moment. He just began to, to talk that that particular word mapped onto his life. And so she asked him, you've heard throughout these last nine weeks about Jesus Christ. Do you tonight, do you want to repent of your sins and do you want to ask him to be your savior? And Bill said yes. And that evening he repented of his sin. And he placed his faith in Jesus. He was immediately transformed. The people in that group said there was a, a marked difference in his countenance. The woman who sent me this email, she, she grabbed me. This was a Wednesday night. She grabbed me that Sunday morning and she says, you've got to meet Bill. And I went over and I met Bill and Vivian. His wife is still not a believer. But I met Bill, a changed man, born again by the Spirit of God. Partly, through God coming into his life and making his presence aware to him through the gift of prophecy. Sovereign Grace Church, God's going to give you opportunities like that. He's going to give you powerful opportunities to pray for unbelievers who need healing. He may give you an impression that you share with them that leads to a conversation with the gospel. Don't miss those moments and believe in that moment that the Spirit will fill you and empower you for service and for witness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving God and that you manifest your presence among us in so many ways, one of them through the gifts. And I pray for those that are here today who just haven't been experienced your presence recently. I pray that you would again fill them. I pray that the people around them as they use the gifts that they've been given, that they would, would be used in a way to manifest the presence of God. I pray that you would pour out your love upon those people that haven't been experiencing your presence. I pray that you would continue to fill this church with your spirit and that you would give them power to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I pray that as they proclaim that good news, as they use their gifts in the, in the going with the gospel, that you would give them powerful experience with, with unbelievers that lead to salvation. Would many in this area be born again through this local church? For the glory of Christ alone we pray. Amen.